0: Section 14 of The Morals, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Morals, Volume 2, by Plutarch. Translated by several hands. Corrected and revised by William W. Goodwin that it is not possible to live pleasurably according to the doctrine of epicurus part two for do but think with yourself with what a sting we read plato's atlantic and the conclusion of the iliad and how we hanker and gape after the rest of the tale as when some beautiful temple or theatre is shut up but now the informing of ourselves with the truth herself is a thing so delectable and lovely as if our very life and being were the sake of knowing and the darkest and grimmest things in death are its oblivion ignorance and obscurity whence by jove it is that almost all mankind encounter with those that would destroy the sense of the departed as placing the very whole of their life being and satisfaction solely in the sensible and knowing part of the mind for even the things that grieve and afflict us yet afford us a sort of pleasure in the hearing and it is often seen that those that are disordered by what is told them even to the degree of weeping notwithstanding require the telling of it so he in the tragedy who is told alas i now the very worst must tell replies i dread to hear it too but i must hear but this may seem perhaps a sort of intemperateness of delight in knowing everything and as it were a stream violently bearing down the reasoning faculty but now when a story that hath in it nothing that is troubling and afflictive treats of great and heroic enterprises with a potency and grace of style such as we find in herodotus's gratian and in xenophon's persian history or in what inspired by heavenly gods sage Homer sung or in the travels of eudoxus the foundations and republics of aristotle and the lives of famous men compiled by aristoxenus these will not only bring us exceeding much and great contentment but such also as is clean and secure from repentance and who could take a greater satisfaction either in eating when a hungry or drinking when a dry amongst the Phacians than in going over ulysses relation of his own voyage and rambles and what man could be better pleased with the embraces of the most exquisite beauty than with sitting up all night to read over what xenophon hath written of panthea or aristobulus of Timoclea, or theopompus of thebe but now these appertain all solely to the mind but they chase away from them the delights that accrue from the mathematics also though the satisfactions we receive from history have in them something simple and equal but those that come from geometry astronomy and music inveigle and allure us with a sort of nimbleness and variety and want nothing that is tempting and engaging their figures attracting us as so many charms whereof whoever hath once tasted if he be but competently skilled will run about singing that in sophocles i'm mad the muses with new rage inspire me i'll mount the hill my lyre, my numbers fire me nor doth thamoraes break out into poetic raptures upon any other score nor by jove eudoxus aristarchus and archimedes and when the lovers of the art of painting are so enamoured with the charmingness of their own performances that nicias as he was drawing the evocation of ghosts in homer often asked his servants whether he had dined or no and when king ptolemy had sent him threescore talents for his piece after it was finished he neither would accept the money nor part with his work what and how great satisfactions may we then suppose to have been reaped from geometry and astronomy by euclid when he wrote his dioptrics by philippus when he had perfected his demonstration of the figure of the moon by archimedes when with the help of a certain angle he found the sun's diameter to make the same part of the largest circle that that angle made of four right angles and by apollonius and aristarchus who were the inventors of some other things of the like nature the bare contemplating and comprehending of these now engender in the learners both unspeakable delights and a marvellous height of spirit and it doth in no wise beseem me by comparing with these the fulsome debauchees of vittling-houses and stews, to contaminate Helicon and the Muses. Where swain his flock ne'er fed, nor tree by hatchet bled. But these are the verdant and untrampled pastures of ingenious bees, but those are more like the mange of lecherous boars and he-goats. And though a voluptuous temper of mind be naturally fantastic and precipitate, yet never any yet-sacrificed an ox for joy that he had gained his will of his mistress. Nor did any ever wish to die immediately, might he but once satiate himself with the costly dishes and confites at the table of his prince. But now Eudoxus wished he might stand by the sun, and inform himself of the figure, magnitude, and beauty of that luminary, though he were, like Phaeton, consumed by it. And Pythagoras offered an ox in sacrifice for having completed the lines of a certain geometric diagram, as Apollodotus tells us, when the famed lines Pythagoras devised, for which a splendid ox he sacrificed. Whether it was that by which he showed that the square of the line that regards the right angle in a triangle is equivalent to the squares of the two lines that contain that angle, or the problem about the area of the parabolic section of a cone and archimedes servants were forced to hail him away from his draughts to be anointed in the bath but he notwithstanding drew the lines upon his belly with his strigil and when as he was washing as the story goes of him he thought of a manner of computing the proportion of gold in king herio's crown by seeing the water flowing over the bathing stool he leaped up as one possessed or inspired crying i have found it eureka which after he had several times repeated, he went his way. But we never yet heard of a glutton that exclaimed with such vehemence, I have eaten, or of an amorous gallant that ever cried, I have kissed, among the many millions of dissolute debauchees that both this and preceding ages have produced. Yea, we abominate those that make mention of their great suppers with too luscious a gust, as men overmuch taken with mean and abject delights. But we find ourselves in one and the same ecstasy, with Eudoxus, Archimedes and Hipparchus. And we readily give assent to Plato, when he saith of the mathematics, that while ignorance and unskilledness make men despise them, they still thrive notwithstanding by reason of their charmingness, in despite of contempt. These, then, so great and so many pleasures, that run like perpetual springs and rills these men decline and avoid nor will they permit those that put in among them so much as to take a taste of them but bid them hoist up the little sails of their paltry cockboats and fly from them nay they all both he and she philosophers beg and entreat pythocles for dear epicurus's sake not to affect or make such account of the sciences called liberal and when they cry up and defend one apelles they write of him that he kept himself clean by refraining himself all along from the mathematics but as to history to pass over their adverseness to other kinds of compositions i shall only present you with the words of metrodorus who in his treatise of the poets writes thus wherefore let nothing disturb you if you know not either what side hector was of or the first verses of homer's poem or again what is in its middle but that the pleasures of the body spend themselves like the winds called etensian or anniversary and utterly determine when one's age is past its vigour epicurus himself was not insensible and therefore he makes it a problematic question whether a sage philosopher when he is an old man and disabled for enjoyment may not still be recreated with having handsome girls to feel and grope him being not it seems of the mind of old sophocles who thank god he had at length escaped from this kind of pleasure as from an untame and furious master but in my opinion it would be more advisable for these sensual lechers when they see that age will dry up so many of their pleasures and that as euripides saith dame venus is to ancient men a foe in the first place to collect and lay up in store as against a siege these other pleasures as a sort of provision that will not impair and decay that then after they have celebrated the venereal festivals of life they may spend a cleanly after-feast in reading over the historians and poets or else in problems of music and geometry for it would never have come into their minds so much as to think of these purblind and toothless gropings and spurtings of lechery had they but learned, if nothing more, to write comments upon Homer or Euripides, as Aristotle, Heraclides, and Dicearchus did. But I verily persuade myself that their neglecting to take care for such provisions as these, and finding all the other things they employed themselves in, as they used to say of virtue, but insipid and dry, and being wholly set upon pleasure, and the body no longer supplying them with it, give them occasion to stoop to do things both mean and shameful in themselves and unbecoming their age as well when they refresh their memories with their former pleasures and serve themselves of old ones as it were long since dead and laid up in pickle for the purpose when they cannot have fresh ones as when again they offer violence to nature by suscitating and kindling in their decayed bodies as in cold embers other new ones equally senseless they having not it seems their minds stored with any congenial pleasure that is worth the rejoicing at as to the other delights of the mind we have already treated of them as they occurred to us but their adverseness and dislike to music that affords us so great delights and such charming satisfactions a man cannot forget if he would by reason of the inconsistency of what epicurus saith when he pronounceth in his book called his doubts that his wise man ought to be a lover of public spectacles and to delight above any other man in the music and shows of the bacchanals and yet he will not admit of music problems or of the critical inquiries of philologists no not so much as at a compotation yea he advises such princes as are lovers of the muses rather to entertain themselves at their feasts either with some narration of military adventures or with the importune scurrilities of drolls and buffoons than to engage in disputes about music or in questions of poetry for this very thing he had the face to write in his treatise of monarchy as if he were writing to sardanapalus or to nanaris satrap of babylon for neither would a Hero, nor an attalus nor an archelaus be persuaded to make a euripides a simonides a melanipides a crates or a diodorus rise up from their tables and to place such scarmuncios in their rooms as a cardax an agrius or a callius or fellows like thrasonides and thrasileon to make people disorder the house with howling and clapping had the great ptolemy who was the first that formed a consort of musicians but met with these excellent and royal admonitions would he not think you have thus addressed himself to the samians o muse whence art thou thus maligned for certainly it can never belong to any athenian to be in such enmity and hostility with the muses but no animal accursed by jove music's sweet charms can ever love what sayest thou now epicurus wilt thou get thee up betimes in the morning and go to the theatre to hear the harpers and flautists play but if a theophrastus discourse at the table of concords or an aristoxenus of varieties or if an aristophanes play the critic upon homer wilt thou presently for very dislike and abhorrence clap both thy hands upon thy ears and do they not hereby make the scythian king Atius more musical than this comes to? who when he heard that admirable flautus ismenius detained then by him as a prisoner of war playing upon the flute at a compotation swore he had rather hear his own horse neigh and do they not also profess themselves to stand at an implacable and irreconcilable defiance with whatever is generous and becoming and indeed what do they ever embrace or affect that is either genteel or regardable when it hath nothing of pleasure to accompany it and would it not far less affect a pleasurable way of living to be disgusted with perfumes and odors like beetles and vultures than to shun and abhor the conversation of learned critics and musicians for what flute or harp ready-tuned for a lesson or what sweetest consort air with artful noise warbled by softest tongue and best-tuned voice ever gave epicurus and metrodorus such content as the disputes and precepts about consorts gave aristotle theophrastus hieronymus and dickearchus and also the problems about flutes rhythms and harmonies as for instance why the slenderer of two flutes of the same longitude should speak flatter why if you raise the pipe will all its notes be sharp and flat again if you lower it and why then clapped to another will it sound flatter and sharper again when taken from it why also if you scatter chaff or dust about the orchestra of a theatre will the sound be softened and why when one would have set up a bronze alexander for a frontispiece to a stage at pella did the architect devise to the contrary because it would spoil the actors voices and why of the several kinds of music will the chromatic diffuse and the harmonic compose the mind but now the several humours of poets their differing turns and forms of style and the solutions of their difficult places have conjoined with a sort of dignity and politeness somewhat also that is extremely agreeable and charming insomuch that to me they seem to do what was once said by xenophon to make a man even forget the joys of love so powerful and overcoming is the pleasure they bring us of all this these gentlemen have not the least share nor do they so much as pretend or desire to have any but while they are sinking and depressing their contemplative part into the body and dragging it down by their sensual and intemperate appetites as by so many weights of lead they make themselves appear little better than hostelers or grazers that still ply their cattle with hay straw or grass looking upon such provender as the properest and meatest food for them and it is not even thus they would swill the mind with the pleasures of the body as hogherds do their swine while they will not allow it to be gay any longer than it is hoping feeling or remembering something that refers to the body but will not have it either to receive or seek for any congenial joy or satisfaction from within itself though what can be more absurd and unreasonable than when there are two things that go to make up the man a body and a soul and the soul besides hath the prerogative of governing that the body should have its peculiar, natural and proper good, and the soul none at all, but must sit gazing at the body and simper at its passions, as if she were pleased and affected with them, though indeed she be all the while wholly untouched and unconcerned, as having nothing of her own to choose, desire or take delight in. For they should either pull off the visor quite, and say plainly that man is all body, as some of them do that take away all mental being or if they will allow us to have two distinct natures they should then leave to each its proper good and evil agreeable and disagreeable as we find it to be with our senses each of which is peculiarly adapted to its own sensible though they all very strangely intercommune one with another Now the intellect is the proper sense of the mind and therefore that it should have no congenial speculation movement or affection of its own the attaining to which should be matter of complacency to it is the most irrational thing in the world if i have not by jove unwittingly done the men wrong and been myself imposed upon by some that may perhaps have calumniated them then i said to him if we may be your judges you have not yea we must acquit you of having offered them the least indignity, and therefore pray dispatch the rest of your discourse with assurance how said he and shall not aristodemus then succeed me if you are tired out yourself aristodemus said with all my heart when you are as much tired as he but since you are yet in your vigor pray make use of yourself my noble friend and don't think to pretend weariness theon then replied what is yet behind i must confess is very easy it being but to go over the several pleasures contained in that part of life that consists in action now themselves somewhere say that there is far more satisfaction in doing than in receiving good and good may be done many times it is true by words but the most and greatest part of good consists in action as the very name of beneficence tells us and they themselves also attest for you may remember continued he we heard this gentleman tell us but now what words epicurus uttered and what letters he sent to his friends applauding and magnifying metrodorus how bravely and like a spark he quitted the city and went down to the port to relieve mithras the syrian and this though metrodorus did not then do anything at all what and how great then may we presume the pleasures of plato to have been when dion by the measures he gave him deposed the tyrant dionysius and set sicily at liberty and what the pleasures of aristotle when he rebuilt his native city stagira then levelled with the ground and brought back its exiled inhabitants and what the pleasures of theophrastus and of phidias when they cut off the tyrants of their respective countries for what need a man recount to you who so well know it how many particular persons they relieved not by sending them a little wheat or a measure of meal as epicurus did to some of his friends but by procuring restoration to the banished liberty to the imprisoned and restitution of wives and children to those who have been bereft of them but a man could not if he would passed by the sottish stupidity of the man who though he tramples under foot and vilifies the great and generous actions of themistocles and miltades yet writes these very words to his friends about himself you have given a very gallant and noble testimony of your care of me in the provision of corn you have made for me and have declared your affection to me by signs that mount to the very skies so that should a man take that poor parcel of corn out of the great philosopher's epistle it might seem to the very recital of some letter of thanks for the delivery or preservation of all greece or of the commons of athens we now forbear to mention that nature requires very large and changeable provisions to be made for accomplishing the pleasures of the body nor can the height of delicacy be had in barley bread and lentil pottage but voluptuous and sensual appetites expect costly dishes thacian wines perfumed unguents and varieties of pastry works and cakes by female hands wrought artfully well steeped in the liquor of the gold-winged and besides all this handsome young lassies too such as leontian boidion hedia and nicidian that were wont to roam about in epicurus's philosophic garden but now such joys as suit the mind must undoubtedly be grounded upon a grandeur of actions and a splendor of worthy deeds if men would not seem little ungenerous and puerile but on the contrary bulky firm and brave but for a man to be elated with pleasures as epicurus is like tarpaulins upon the festivals of venus and to vaunt himself that when he was sick of an ascites he notwithstanding called his friends together to certain collations and grudged not his dropsy the satisfaction of good liquors and that when he called to remembrance the last words of neocles he was melted with a peculiar sort of joy intermixed with tears no man in his right senses would call these true joys or satisfactions nay i will be bold to say that if such a thing as that they call a sardonic or grinning laughter can happen to the mind it is to be found in these forcings and crying laughters but if any will needs have them still called by the name of joys and satisfactions let him but yet think how far they are exceeded by the pleasures that here ensue our counsels have proud sparta's glory clipped and stranger this is his country rome's great star and again this i know not which to guess thee man or god now when i set before my eyes the brave achievements of thracybolus and pelopidas of aristodides engaged at Plataea, and miltides at marathon i am here constrained with herodotus to declare it my opinion that in an active state of life the pleasure far exceeds the glory and epaminondas herein bears me witness also when he saith, as is reported of him, that the greatest satisfaction he ever received in his life was that his father and mother had lived to see the trophy set up at Leuctra, when himself was general. Let us compare with Epimenondas's, Epicurus's mother, rejoicing that she had lived to see her son, cooping himself up in a little garden, and getting children in common, with Polyanus upon the strumpet of Sisychus as for metrodorus's mother and sister how extravagantly rejoiced they were at his nuptials appears by the letters he wrote to his brother in answer to his that is out of his own books nay they tell us bellowing that they have not only lived a life of pleasure but also exult and sing hymns in the praise of their own living now when our servants celebrate the festivals of saturn or go in procession at the time of the rural bacchanals you would scarcely brook the hollowing and din they make should the intemperateness of their joy and their insensibleness of decorum make them act and speak such things as these lean down boy why dost sit let's tope like mad here's belly timber store ne'er spirit lad straight these huzza like wild one fills up drink another plates a wreath and crowns the brink o'er the teeming bowl then to the verdant bays, all chant rude carols in Apollo's praise, while one his door with drunken fury smites, till he from his bed his pretty consort frights. And are not Metrodorus's words something like to these when he writes to his brother thus? It is none of our business to preserve the Greeks, or to get them to bestow garlands upon us, for our wit, but to eat well and drink good wine tomocrates, so as not to offend but pleasure our stomachs and he saith again in some other place in the same epistles how gay and how assured was i when i had once learned of epicurus the true way of gratifying my stomach for believe me philosopher timocrates our prime good lies at the stomach in brief these men draw out the dimensions of their pleasures like a circle about the stomach as a centre and the truth is it is impossible for those men ever to participate of generous and princely joy such as enkindles a height of spirit in us and sends forth to all mankind an unmade hilarity and calm serenity that have taken up a sort of life that is confined unsocial inhuman and uninspired towards the esteem of the world and the love of mankind for the soul of man is not an abject little and ungenerous thing nor doth it extend its desires as polyps do their claws unto eatables only yea these are at an instant of time taken off by the least plenitude but when its efforts towards what is brave and generous and the honors and caresses that accrue therefrom are now in their consummate vigor this life's duration cannot limit them but the desire of glory and the love of mankind grasp at whole eternity and wrestle with such actions and charms as bring with them an ineffable pleasure and such as good men though never so fain can not decline they meeting and accosting them on all sides and surrounding them about while their being beneficial to many occasions joy to themselves as he passes through the throngs in the city all gaze upon him as some deity for he that can so effect and move other men as to fill them with joy and rapture and to make them long to touch him and salute him cannot but appear even to a blind man, to possess and enjoy very extraordinary satisfactions in himself. And hence it comes that such men are both indefatigable and undaunted in serving the public, and we still hear some such words from them. Thy father got thee for the common good, and, let's not give off to benefit mankind. But what need I instance in those that are consummately good, for if to one of the middling rank of bad men when he is just a-dying he that hath a power over him whether his god or prince should but allow one hour more upon condition that after he hath spent that either in some generous action or in sensual enjoyment he should then presently die who would in this time choose rather to accompany with lais or drink areusian wine than to dispatch and restore the Thebans to their liberties. For my part, I believe none would. For I see that even common sword players, if they are not utter brutes and savages, but Greek-born, when they are to enter the list, though there be many and very costly dishes set before them, yet take more content in employing their time, in commending their poor wives to some of their friends, yea, and in conferring freedom on their slaves, than in gratifying their stomachs but should the pleasures of the body be allowed to have some extraordinary matter in them this would yet be common to men of action and business for they can eat good meat and red wine drink ay and entertain themselves with their friends and perhaps with a greater relish too after their engagements and hard services as did alexander and agassilus and by jove phocion and epimonondas too than these gentlemen who anoint themselves by the fireside, and are gingerly rocked about the streets in sedans. Yea, those make but small account of such pleasures as these, as being comprised in those greater ones. For why should a man mention Epaminondas's denying, to sup with one, when he saw the preparations made were above the man's estate, but frankly telling his friend, I thought you had intended a sacrifice, and not a debauch when Alexander himself refused Queen Ada's cooks, telling her he had better ones of his own, to wit, traveling by night for his dinner, and a light dinner for his supper. And when Philizina's writing to him about some handsome boys, and desiring to know of him whether he would have him buy them for him, was within a small matter of being discharged his office for it. And yet who might better have them than he? But as Hippocrates saith, that of two pains the lesser is obscured by the greater so the pleasures that accrue from action and the love of glory while they cheer and refresh the mind do by their transcendency and grandeur obliterate and extinguish the inferior satisfactions of the body if then the remembering of former goods as they affirm be that which most contributes to a pleasurable living not one of us will then credit epicurus when he tells us that while he was dying away in the midst of the strongest agonies and distempers he yet bore himself up with the memory of the pleasures he formerly enjoyed for a man may better see the resemblance of his own face in a trouble deep or a storm than a smooth and smiling remembrance of past pleasure in a body tortured with such lancing and rending pains but now the memories of past actions no man can put from him that would for did alexander think you or indeed could he possibly forget the fight at arbela or pelopidas the tyrant leoteiades or themistocles the engagement at salamis for the athenians to this very day keep an annual festival for the battle at marathon and the thebans for that at leuctra and so by jove do we ourselves as you very well know or that which diaphanatis gained at hyampolis and all focus is filled with sacrifices and public honors nor is there any one of us that is better satisfied with what himself hath either eaten or drunk than he is with what they have achieved it is very easy to imagine what great content satisfaction and joy accompanied the authors of these actions in their lifetime when the very memory of them hath not yet after five hundred years and more lost its rejoicing power the truth is epicurus himself allows there are some pleasures derived from fame and indeed why should he not when he himself had such a furious lechery and wiggling after glory as made him not only to disown his masters and shuffle about syllables and accents with his fellow-pendant democritus whose doctrines he stole verbatim and to tell his disciples there never was a wise man in the world besides himself but also to put in writing how Colotes performed adoration to him, as he was one day philosophizing by touching his knees, and that his own brother Neocles was used from a child to say, that neither is, nor ever was in the world, a wiser man than Epicurus, that his mother had just so many atoms within her as, when they came together, must have produced a complete wise man. May not a man, then, as callicratidas once said of the athenian admiral conan that he hoard the sea as well say of epicurus that he basely and covertly forces and ravishes fame by not enjoying her publicly but ruffling and debauching her in a corner for as men's bodies are oft necessitated by famine for want of other food to prey against nature upon themselves a like mischief to this does vainglory create in men's minds forcing them when they hunger after praise and cannot obtain it from other men at last to commend themselves end of section 14